Hey everyone, and welcome to The Smell Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boateng. This month, we get to celebrate Anosmia Awareness Day on February 27th, and with that in mind, I'm highlighting people like you and me who suffer with olfactory disorders. So I started off the month with a great interview with Leah Holzel, and if you haven't listened, you can go back and find that episode. So we're going to continue on with more stories this week. You can listen in as I chat with Kim Price, who's a listener of the podcast from the UK, and she lives with complete anosmia. So I very much enjoyed speaking with Kim about her experiences, and you're going to hear us talk about it in the interview, but the aftermath of her accident that caused the anosmia was caught on film for a British TV program called Real Rescues, and I would highly encourage you to go and check it out on YouTube so you can see her story. I'll post the link in the episode notes, and a huge thank you to Kim for being brave enough to share her story with all of us. So let's listen to what she has to say. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the Smell Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Katie. I'm well, thank you. And um, I'm very pleased to be uh, talking on the Smell Podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. Kim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, I live and I grew up in the New Forest, which is in the county of Hampshire in the south of England. I, I have a wonderful family and I love my home and garden and taking walks in the forest and along the south coast. I guess I'm basically an outdoorsy person who loves nature. England is beautiful. Yes, it is. I'm very lucky to be here. I actually don't know if I shared this with you um, before, but I was born at Lake and Heath Air Force Base. Oh, wow. So I believe it's about 60 miles north of London. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. But I haven't been back, so I'll definitely have to come over and visit to see Lake and Heath Air Force Base, and then hopefully we can meet each other. Definitely. Definitely. There's an excuse to get together. (laughs) So what is your smell disorder story? Okay. So here we go. Sadly, I have completely lost my ability to smell and taste any flavour whatsoever. However, my tongue is able to to detect sweet, sour, salty, and I think it's called unami. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe I'm classed as an acquired anosmic, which was due to a traumatic head injury uh, sustained nearly eight years ago. Yeah, and... I wanted to share with listeners, and we chatted a little bit ahead of time just so I could make sure that this was okay, but you actually have quite a intriguing video available on YouTube that documents your accident. So I'll definitely include the link to that in the episode description so that listeners can go and watch it. That's fantastic, Katie. I'm very happy to share what was a very traumatic time for basically my family, not so much for me because I I wasn't really aware of what was happening, but I'd be very happy to share that with your listeners. Thank you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Well, basically, we live in a very old cottage. It's a Victorian cottage. We've lived here for 23 years. And um, needless to say, with an old property, there's always jobs to do, renovations, painting, decorating and fixing things. And it was a beautiful sunny day in March 2011. And my husband and I had decided to continue renovating our conservatory. And we were both on ladders uh, fixing 
what was going to be the last window to, to put in to the conservatory. And unfortunately, my ladder collapsed and I fell head first onto the back of my head, landing onto a concrete floor. And from the video that listeners can go and watch, they'll definitely get to see the immediate aftermath of the accident. But Correct. it was very interesting to watch because you were not aware of anything happening to you. Absolutely. I recall being up the ladder. I recall holding the window. I think I recall falling. It was so quick, so quick. I just couldn't do anything. I just had no time to do anything. And I do, I think my memory of my lost smell and taste is of blood. That's, wow. that's, yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I just rewind, rewind back to, because this might be interesting for other anosmics who suffered a brain injury. Yeah. And I just want to, uh, to just explain that there was swelling and bleeding on, on my brain, which was causing pressure. And I needed to, I needed to be protected for transport to the hospital to minimize any long term damage. So fortunately for me, as listeners who, if they do watch, uh, will see that I had a critical care doctor come swiftly uh, to my home and I was put into a chemically induced coma, which basically uh, because my brain was starting to malfunction, I needed to be anaesthetized and intubated in order to safely get me to hospital. When you became aware that you were in the hospital, because at first you didn't, you didn't know how you ended yes. up there. Absolutely. How, just, how did you figure out that you couldn't smell? Okay. Uh, when I was in hospital, basically I, I had no knowledge of going in an ambulance or being taken to the accident and emergency ward and having brain scans. I have no knowledge of this. And uh, because there was swelling and bleeding on the brain, which was causing pressure. I needed to remain in a, a chemically induced coma for nearly a week. Wow. So when I did finally start to come round, I, I was so confused. I had really no idea where I was and what, was ha what had happened to me. And I think because of the drugs that I'd been given to obviously keep me alive and get me back to somewhere near perfect again I because of the drugs I didn't realize that I couldn't smell or taste in hospital and it wasn't until I arrived home and entered my kitchen that I realized that I could no longer smell my own beautiful home mm. It was, a, it was a very heart-sinking moment and a moment that I'll probably, well, I, I won't ever forget. That's very, that moment of just realization is just so, I guess, heartbreaking. Yes. I describe, I describe anosmia as a, forgive me, but a, an invisible heartbreaking torture. After you got home and you realized that you had no sense of smell, what happened next? Well, good question, Katie. Because of the brain injury, I needed to focus on getting fit and being able to function as a person again. So my all my energies went into because because of the injury, it I found it quite hard to walk confidently. I basically walk like a drunk. And, and that sounds quite funny. And it was very funny to watch. My daughters found it hilarious. 
but it's all part of the brain injury. Right. Uh, it's a bit it's a bit like a toddler. When they get tired, they just behave like a drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, if if you're around toddlers, you've probably witnessed it yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, I needed to work on that was my focus is to be able to walk properly and spatial awareness. I, I wasn't able to drive a car for a year because of the injury. That shows like how it impacted on me. And uh, like when I did go into, say, basically into a town to go shopping, the this is going to sound really strange, but when I walked along the pavement, I wanted to hug like the shop fronts and the wall because I yeah. felt so nervous about the curb, like I was going to fall off the curb. Yeah, I don't think that sounds funny. I think that is probably very familiar to people who've had some brain injuries. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. And and also, if if people would walk past me quickly, it would just send me into absolute panic and anxiety because I felt so anxious and unsafe. So there was a there was a lot going on, and I had a year of basically getting myself back to who I was before, which I was so lucky to receive the medical treatment to allow me to get there. Kim, can you share with us what's your funniest or most memorable anosmia experience? Okay, well, sometimes it's hard to find a funny experience relating to anosmia, if I'm honest, and I don't wish to sound miserable about it, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge to live with. However, I can confidently say I can I can outwit any plumber when it comes to discussing block drains and toilets. <laughs> yeah, and that's my superpower, which I I'm quite proud of, and I found quite amusing, and it has been handy. And as far as memorable experiences, I can think of two offhand relating to my own anosmia. And as I've, I've touched on, I, I struggled for three and a half years to come to terms with the loss. I was mentally exhausted and uh, a friend suggested that I go back and speak to my doctor, which I did. And she recognized that I was struggling. Unfortunately, she referred me back to the hospital that had dealt with my trauma. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness for me, I met with a health professional. And this is quite unusual from what I've heard from other, listening to other anosmic stories. I met with a health pro- professional who listened and who had a tremendous amount of empathy. And she gave me the time of day and suggested that I treat my anosmia as bereavement. And this was huge. It was a huge thing to suggest to me and a huge relief to be taken seriously. I was given given support and, and valuable time in coming to terms with my loss. That's amazing that you were able to connect with the healthcare professional Absolutely. Um, in that way. And I think it's quite unusual. And that's something that I think for the, for the future I would love is for more health professionals to recognize our struggle. Yes. I'm not quite sure how that would be achieved, but I think it's something for the future. Yeah, I, I would agree if, with any kind of condition in healthcare that it's a lot of the times there's just a lot of comfort in being listened to. Absolutely. It's all part of the healing process. Yeah. The other memorable experience that I have to mention was um, an event 
attending an event at the Royal Society of Medicine, Wimpole Street, London, in two, May 2017. It was titled uh, Medicine and Me, Living Without Smell and Taste. And basically, it was a coming together of patients and clinicians to share experience and knowledge. Was that in partnership with Fifth Sense? Yes, it was. Yes, absolutely. And at the event, ironically, I met my very first fellow anosmic, who happened to be Duncan Bogue, the founder of Fifth Sense. That's amazing. Duncan seems it, like a really great guy. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was, yeah, it was quite an emotional moment for me to actually just meet with another anosmic for the very first time and to be, be able to share our stories. Mm-hmm. It was quite empowering. And, and, and a moment that I, I really won't forget. Yeah, I would. I, I think I'm going to try to go to the um, Smell Taste 2019 conference in Gainesville, Florida, and Duncan will be there. So if I'm oh, able to go, I'd love to meet him. Definitely. You must you must introduce yourself. Well, I know that Duncan has um, has been interviewed on the Smell podcast. Yes. And that's definitely worth listening to. And I, t- I take my hat off to him because... He's had the energy to create and start a charity to help others in his situation, which takes a lot of energy and commitment and confidence to do. And it's growing. It's growing. It's not just for people in the UK, but it's 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 for it's worldwide. Yeah, definitely. When I became an Osmic, that was one of the first websites that I found. That's was good. the Fifth Sense charity over in the United Kingdom. So, yeah, it definitely has cool. a big reach. Yeah. And sorry, sorry, Katie. One thing I'd like to say is at this event, and you will probably experience if you're able to attend the event this year, there was a cut, there was, I was able to listen to patient speakers. And in particular, uh, there was a BBC Radio 4 presenter, Kathy Clugston, uh-huh. who's, a, who's a congenital anosmic and a theatre film director, Ian Rickman, who bravely shared their personal stories with the audience. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was hugely uplifting to know that I wasn't alone with my loss and disability. And... Uh, I think, I think for listeners, if they're interested in hearing their stories, if you Google their names and the Royal Society of Medicine, you can probably listen to their video clips. So it's Kathy Clugson? Yes, spelled then... K, sorry, Kathy with a K and okay. Clugston, C-L-U-G-S-T-O-N. Okay. She's a, she's a BBC Radio 4 presenter and she's okay. a congenital anosmic. And theatre film director Ian Rickman, R-I-C-K-M-A-N, I believe. And he's done, he's done some work in America. He's the film director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And, yeah, and I'll they, definitely they, look into that. They so, they so bravely share their personal stories. It's, it's, yeah, quite humbling. Is Ian Rickman also a congenital anosmic? No, good question. Katie, he's an acquired anosmic, like myself. He was actually, uh, he was in America. This is a good story for you. Yeah. He was in America and he was, I should know where he was running, but he was keeping fit and running in some park. 
if you listen to his story, he'll tell you exact location. Wow. And sadly, he, he, I think he had, he might have been listening to music, so he didn't hear what was coming, but a cyclist basically took him out. Wow. And like me, he suffered a head injury. Kim, kind of changing topics now, can you talk to us a little bit about how important texture is in the food that you eat now that you have anosmia and contrast that kind of with your experiences from before you became anosmic? Okay, Amy, that's that's a that's a really good question. And um, before I before I became anosmic, obviously uh, socializing, going out, um, going to lovely restaurants, having a simple supper with family—you just sort of chat away about how lovely it is, and you know the herbs are delicious, and the seasoning's great, and maybe next time we could put this in it or that in it. And I don't I don't really just don't have those conversations anymore. I guess I sit there quite quietly, which in a way is rather sad, especially as my husband is a he loves cooking and he used to love my feedback on different uh, recipes that he would try. So now going forward, it's very important uh, to have texture. And well, basically, because my tongue can do sweet sour bitter and savory that's it i don't have any any knowledge of flavor anymore so i love eating crunchy foods such as granola seeds nuts i love fresh food uh such as like a gem lettuce cucumber celery that's watery and so alive uh i love sweet foods Figs, bananas, pineapple, cherries, honey, creamy foods, yogurt. Yogurt's a good one. And I have to say avocados are my special friend because they are so creamy and so beautiful. So basically, it's all foods that are colourful and fresh. I also like salt, vinegar, olives are a big friend and capers. And I have to be careful to moderate the salt because, yeah, it does. You could easily pile it on. Yeah, I think that's common for people who have anosmia to just really gravitate towards the extremes of any of the tastes. Definitely, definitely. I have to take check. I've I've always, um, from, uh, you know, when you're a teenager or a young adult and you become aware of, like who you are and what you're doing. I've thank God I've always like respected my body and wanted to like put into my body things that are good for it. Yeah. Because I just feel so much better if I do, and if right. I don't, I know the consequences. So, as my daughter would say, who's has a degree in nutrition, she says you're um, intuitive. She says you're an intuitive eater, mum. In other words, you you basically listen to your body. And then you put in what it needs. And I'd like to think, in some ways, having anosmia helps you to do that. Because you can go, okay, so I haven't had eggs for three days. I haven't had fish for two days. And it's kind of like you approach it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds quite bizarre, but it is it, food and, and nutrition. You do... you. If you're going to keep it, if you're going to keep a balance, you have to kind of go from a different angle. Yes. Basically, um, to summarize, a a plate of food with lots of contrasting textures, such as 
like the shape, the colour, sweet and sour, hot and cold, is like a, a plate in heaven for me because it gives the meal some definition and punctuation. So it's kind of almost like it's eating quite simplistically. But focusing on the things that you can still enjoy. Yeah, still enjoy and still see. Like you can see that that is, you know, a fruit or a vegetable. Whereas if, say before, if I was to eat a casserole, which I would love because I could eat, the di I could smell and taste the different flavours. Now it's just a pot of, it's basically just a pot of mess. Yeah, I just, it's so fascinating to me having these conversations with people on what they gravitate towards now and what they avoid. Yeah. Um, there was another guy that I spoke with who really likes bananas. And I think yeah. you mentioned that you enjoy them as well. Yeah. Oh, bananas but, are so beautiful. But for me, I cannot stand plain bananas, like eating really? it. Really? Wow. Yeah. So that's why I just find it fascinating that to me that is kind that of is repulsive fascinating. is it too sweet or is it just taste disgusting I, I think it's too smushy yeah it has okay. nothing to do with like sweetness because um, uh -huh. that that's fine I think it's the fact that it's like smushy that I don't like that actually you've got a good point Katie because I I don't actually eat a banana like peel it and just eat it alone I put it in a smoothie so like ah, okay. it's just a it's just like a sweetness like now a, we're getting to the bottom of things yeah <laughs> it's like a goodness or i will chop it into tiny little squares and put it with my cereal yeah so it's okay. almost like it's not like a banana anymore yeah i can get on board with that i just can't Weird. eat a, a straight banana <laughs> no, it's too disappointing it's very smushy yeah <laughs> and um little tip for listeners the one thing that i do love is the contrast of say um a hot cappuccino with a vanilla ice cream oh that sounds good yeah it's a lovely combination it's just like the contrast is just amazing so are you putting ice cream into a cappuccino no no literally have your cappuccino in a cup or a mug uh -huh. i guess you have mcdonald's in america yeah, of course. Of course, we have McDonald's. <laughs> well, okay. I don't often go there, but I have been there once. That's the truth. And you, uh, I was so that's excited. That's a lot better than most people. So just have <laughs> only been there once. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was so excited because I had a cap. I ordered a cappuccino in a, like a little paper cup, and I and I think it was in a paper cup. And I also ordered a McFlurry. Is it a McFlurry? The uh -huh. ice cream. And the combination was just perfection. So, Kim, when smell comes up in daily life for you, do you take the time to explain to people that you can't smell? Well, it's a very personal loss. So I choose who I confide in wisely. I found in the past that unhelpful responses have left me feeling alone and bereft. Mm -hmm. However, it's I'm aware that it's really important to speak about our invisible disability and not store it up and to share it with others. I've I've that's been a I'm a I'm quite a private person, so to speak out has been quite tough. But I've with the help of others, I've realised that I I do need to do that. 
Well, I'm grateful that you are, have been willing to come on and share your story with everyone. Thank you. It's quite a big, big thing for me. Yeah, well, I'm honored that it's for the Smell Podcast. Thank you, Katie. So you mentioned having that invisible disability. So mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you feel about that word? Um, or how do you feel about the fact that you do have this invisible disability? Fantastic question. I'm really cool. I'm, I, I feel relieved to have it described as a disability. To sum it up, it's a silent illness and nobody can see our disability. There's times when I think I'd like it tattooed on my forehead, but I think that'd be rather extreme to do. Right. Not look particularly pretty. Um, because it's so hard to share and articulate with friends and family. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's a disability. I, I wouldn't want to belittle blindness or deafness for one sincere moment, but I do think anosmia should be classed and known as a disability. I because, yeah, and I think my main reason for saying that is it has a huge impact on our psychological well-being. Definitely. And, yeah and after all the gift of smell is a very precious sense that we we all we well when we when we could smell we took for granted definitely again yeah i think it's just i think it's the most taken for granted sense yes and i think that's partly because it is invisible i agree and i think that it's also because we don't hear about people not having it as often mm. as we do about someone who's blind or someone who's deaf Yes, absolutely. And I think that's something uh, that I, I hope for the future is that it will be more recognised as a disability, even if it's classed as a second, secondary disability, uh, that would be fine or that would be good. Yes. Um, I, th I, think, I think there's a need for support groups it's important to connect with others uh, yes. to help normalize the condition. I think there's a need for uh, psychologists, specially trained in handling patients with acute anosmia. That would be really special to find someone I, like that. I think so. I think it's a biggie. I really do think it's a biggie. And I'm hoping that this sense might be able to help with that. I don't yeah. know how, but, I, you know, we... It's exciting and we do need to raise awareness because also, I don't know about you, Katie, but I think there's very little relevant information for those who are stricken with right. anosmia. Even help sheets given out when you see your doctor or when you have hospital visits might be of support. I think it's slowly improving, but I would agree that I don't think that my first ENT, my ear, nose, and throat doctor that I ever went to, I don't think that he had ever revisited anosmia outside of a textbook. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in some ways I'm frustrated and in some ways I'm very excited because I think this is something that all anosmics need to unite and kind of try and make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one of the goals of the yeah. podcast is to just yeah. raise awareness and also just to provide comfort to each other to to know that we're not alone absolutely i know that we've chatted a little bit about 
books concerning anosmia. And you had mentioned to me before that you read Dr. Hershey's book, The Scent of Desire. So what did you think about that book? I can remember stumbling across Rachel's book, The Scent of Desire, and being um, absolutely relieved to read a book regarding anosmia. It wasn't entirely a happy, happy story. Um, in the book, Rachel tells the story of the um, Australian rock star, Michael Hutchins, mm -hmm. of In Excess. Do you, do you know the story? Yes. Yeah. And um, can you share with our listeners that they may not know? Okay. Well, it's basically he's he has a head injury and he can no longer smell or taste, and he breaks down to his friend. He says he he basically says that he can't taste or smell his girlfriend anymore. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, although it was so terribly sad, I felt that my struggle was normal. Yes. So I was so relieved to read that piece. Yeah, read about somebody else who had a similar experience. Exactly. And um yeah, I I I think reading reading books about anosmias basically just strengthens when you're struggling with this invisible disability. It just helps to normalize things. I can recommend a few other books. Yes, please. For for listeners, there's "Remembering Smell" by Bonnie Blogger. Blodgett. I get That's you. That's a good one. Up. Yeah, it's a memoir of losing and discovering your your primal sense. And I read that you, one a while ago, so I should definitely revisit it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and basically, on the front cover, when you when you open the page, I love books. And it starts with a gardener's sudden loss of smell from her single use of an over-the-counter nasal spray leads to a deeper understanding of the impact of smell on our ability to think, speak and love. Mm -hmm. I think that just sums it up. I, I, I can remember reading the book. I was so pleased to, please, I think that's the right word, but I was so relieved to read a book of somebody who experiences the same things. And I, I'm holding it in my hand now, and I actually underlined some of the sentences where I just totally related to this person. It's quite cool. So that's one book. And also another book, which is really special, is A World Without Smells by Lars Lundvik. Lundvist, I think his name is. Sorry, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he won't mind me getting his name wrong. But okay. it's, a, it's a fabulous book. I was given the book for Christmas and I basically picked it up and didn't stop reading it until I'd finished it. And that's, that's one I haven't read yet. So I have to definitely get that one read. I have it waiting for me on my Kindle. Brilliant. Definitely read it, Katie. And basically, I take my hat off to Lars because he's a congenital anosmic and he's had the energy and the ability to write a book when he's never in his life been able to smell. I find that quite incredible. And basically his book, it's obviously his, his own experience, but he cleverly weaves into it the difference between a congenital and an acquired anosmic. And he, he uh, explains how it is for both. 
it's a it's a very good book i i've uh, yeah i can recommend it that is that's fascinating that he was able to get both perspectives in there yeah very clever do you have any other book recommendations i've just started reading reading molly um burnburn's book season to taste awesome that's a good one yeah, I'm basically into the first chapter, which I'm finding quite exciting because I don't know how the story is going to pan out. But she's Molly describes she's describing like different the smell of different things, which I'm finding quite exciting because from memory I can relate back. And that's quite nice to just try and get my mind to be able to remember certain smells. It's really hard to do. It is really hard. Yes, because... I know that uh, I've heard of smell training, which, if I'm honest, I'm not sure it's going to work for me because I believe my olfactory nerves have been severed. Right. And so I don't think there's a lot of hope, which I'm I'm really cool about. I don't have a problem with. I'm very accepting. And uh, so, but when I've tried, I put um, like a rose to my nose and tried to remember a rose. Mm-hmm. It has to be a good day when I'm in a good place, and I can almost do it. But if it's a if it's a darker day, I can get very sad and frustrated. So smell training, I think, has its place, but I think it could be a bit disappointing for traumatic anosmics. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I'm I'm not the world's worst smell trainer, but I definitely. <laughs> Um, haven't given it my best shot. No, it's quite boring. It's quite boring when you keep holding things up to your nose and there's nothing. Yeah, I always have to ask my husband, is this thing still even smelly? Yeah. So, because I don't know. Like, Absolutely. what if I'm smelling nothing, like usual? <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And I have to, I, I think it's quite hard for an osmix. And you can easily lose your way and like want to give up i know i've woken in the morning when i found myself in a difficult place and i'll wake and i couldn't smell the pillow i couldn't smell the bed sheets i couldn't smell myself i couldn't smell my husband and it just went on what's the point of getting in the shower i can't smell the shower gel i can't smell the shampoo i can't smell the conditioner i don't know if i'm clean or not and it just sort of unraveled as to how horrible it was. Mm-hmm. And I had to I had to really have stiff talkings to myself that like you have to you have to find strength and you have to move on. It's not yeah. always easy. And so I now have like I call it my ritual of showering and I have all my shampoos and conditioners and my perfume in place. Because there was a time when I thought, what's the point of wearing perfume, which is very sad. And I have my favorite one, which I hope is still nice. And I shall continue wearing that for the rest of my life because I won't know of any other perfumes that might be nice. And so, yeah, you just have to kind of like have a different mindset and a different discipline about things. Definitely. Mm. So kind of to end, is there anything else that you'd like listeners to know about what it's like living with anosmia? Miraculously, uh, through the charity Fifth Sense, I was put in touch with um, a very special special lady. We 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 are able to email and Skype each other, and it's an example of how important it is to connect with others 
who are struggling with a similar disability. And that's given me huge strength. And I know that like when I'm struggling or there's days when I need to come home and chat to somebody, I can just email and it's, it, yeah, it's a huge comfort. Yeah, definitely. So good advice would be to get in touch with others who are struggling. Definitely. Awesome. And then my final question for you, how can listeners find you on social media? Well, I'm not on Facebook. Listeners can um, email me if they'd like to. And my email address is kimprice05 at gmail.com. And that's price, P-R-I-C-E. I'd be very happy to to receive any emails and um, hopefully respond in a, in a constructive way to any anosmics out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you, Katie. And thank you for actually, you know, having the, having the podcast out there. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good tool to communicate with others. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I'm so happy that it's helping. Towards the end of the interview, I asked Kim if she wanted to share anything else with listeners. She emailed me after a while and asked if I would share the following with you all. So this is what she had to add. Quote, when you asked at the end, was there anything else I'd like to add? I wished I'd ended on a more positive note, adding what's worked so far in terms of coping strategies. Find ways to relax and look after your mental health, mindfulness, meditation, and compassion. And above all, be kind to yourself. Meditation and timeout can help you to handle the stress better. Cardiovascular exercise, especially to music. The exercise equals short-term endorphins and long-term physical and mental strength, which helps to relieve frustrations and build self-confidence. Some examples include aqua aerobics, spinning, cycling, and running, or even walking up a steep hill. When preparing food, cooking, or clearing the kitchen, listen to uplifting music to help drown out sadness and frustrations. Music creates peak emotional moments that help make our brains sing. Audiobooks and reading are a good distraction, as is the radio and listening to podcasts. So to summarize, it's not always easy. There are good days and bad days. I've learned that it's okay to mourn and let the tears flow. We can dust ourselves off and slowly learn to accept our loss and try our best to live a normal life. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is not. Despite our loss, we can choose to be happy and try not to let the disability dictate our lives. End quote. Thank you all for listening. You can find the YouTube video documenting Kim's accident in the episode description. The show is called Real Rescues. And I'll also include links to the books that Kim suggests, and I would have to second her opinion about books. I really love them too. So if you'd like to connect with her via email, you can reach her at kimprice05 at gmail.com, and she did say that she's open to chatting. So please let me know what you thought about today's episode. What topics would you like to see covered in the future? If you have a story that you'd like to share or if you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, please get in touch with me at thesmellpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at thesmellpodcast. Some other announcements. 
The Smell Taste 2019 conference, which is focusing on smell and taste disorders and patients specifically, will take place this year in May 2019 in Gainesville, Florida. Check out the Smell Taste 2019 website at www.smelltaste.org and registration is open now. I'd also like to remind you all to check out the Girl Who Can't Smell show, which is another great podcast focused on life without smell. It's available on all major podcasting platforms, and it's run by Yasmin Salazar, aka the Girl Who Can't Smell. So please go and give it a listen, and let's spread some anosmia awareness. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Smell Podcast. Reviews are helpful because they allow others to find the show. Finally, if you would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link in the episode description, and I appreciate your support. Until next time, have a great day.